All right, so welcome. We have decided Back. that, yes, we've done Anything Goes podcasts, a few of these, and now we've decided we're just gonna ride this thing out. Yeah. Till the end of time. Love we're it. We're gonna do Anything Goes podcasts indefinitely. Right, give we're you an opportunity to ask questions. We'll set up an email account, ask anything dot what? Oh, <laughs> I don't something. know anything. We'll, it'll we'll, be we'll, in, we'll put it in, the, be in yeah, the, the show notes. Right up on the bottom. Yeah, the good old show on notes. On YouTube or whatever. And yes, yes. Which doesn't yes. help you if you're listening So then you this. can submit questions and uh, we'll just keep answering. Maybe every month or something. We'll do an Anything oh, yeah. Goes podcast yeah. with Jaren and Mark. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll That's interview right. people, whatever, and uh, see how it goes. Yeah, it'll be fun. All so, right. Okay, so what we want to talk about today, one thing, is uh, listening to how you wrapped up uh, Masterclass. Because yes. Masterclass, you know, we finished it. Yeah. Great series, yeah. great book to go through for us uh, as the church right now in this time, I think. And mm. the way you finished it actually was was really interesting. How you talked to us about the end hitting you in a way you've never really experienced yeah. before. The end of the book, yeah. Right, and this idea of loving God as what he focuses yeah. on, not so much about deciding about God. Anyways, right. we're gonna get into that in a sec. Okay. But I thought to start, yes. just to you know break the ice here. Yes we would talk about love in a different way. Okay. So you and I both grew up in the 90s. Yes. Uh, wonderful time with our baggy pants and uh, well, I don't know what else. And wallet uh, jeans and gelled hair and, and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought, I will ask you. Dippity-doo. I'm gonna ask you, Dippity yes. Do. I'm gonna ask you the things you loved the most from the 90s, and I'm gonna try and guess. Okay. What those okay. are in different And people categories. should know when we come into these podcasts. No, no, remember, there's no, there's no prep. There's no, we're just coming no. in. You've compiled <laughs> questions, and we're doing our best to kind of riff and uh, and, and talk. Okay, so That's I know that so I know that you fantastic. want you will want this yes. to be narrowed down. This yes. is an impossible question to okay. ask Mark Clark. Here we go. But I'm going to ask it. A and few you, questions of stuff I love from the nineties. You okay. have to somehow narrow this down into your answer. Okay. The movie from the 90s okay. that you love the, the most. Okay. And it's now, just, you're going to think about one I'm gonna write it down. Just one I'm gonna write movie. write down my answer, what I think you're going to say. Okay. Mm, it's tough because you got Shawshank Redemption, mm -hmm. you know, which is maybe top, you know, three, four movies of all time. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually running number one right now over The Godfather Part mm -hmm. 2 mm -hmm. uh, in most lists. Um, and then you got, uh, you know, comedies like, uh, you know, Dumb and Dumber or whatever. But I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the, um, the 1994 summer blockbuster Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even close. I almost wrote Shawshank. <laughs> yeah, yes, I right. almost well, wrote Shawshank. The, show the people. I wrote Saving Private Ryan. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> the, the, the 1998 Spielberg. I, I thought maybe you'd go with Saving Private summer Ryan. Blockbuster. I don't know. But, yeah, that is brilliant. But, that is brilliant. Uh, anyways. Yes. But you, you, you had the same director. Yeah. You got Spielberg, right? Yeah, and so, I I, I almost wrote Shawshank because I, I, right. I know you love that yeah. movie. Oh, okay, yeah. uh, for me, yes. Yes. I think it's probably, yeah, I matter too. Yes. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Jer? <laughs> I think yes. I would have to say Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, I hard, think pretty like, hard to be. I can still watch that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not suggesting hard. you watch that. No, but I'm not, but cultural know, research. Yeah, yeah for it's pretty hard to beat. It's pretty hard to beat. It's, uh, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Second. And it lost. One of the great, one of the great tragedies of the Oscars is that it lost um, to. Do you know what the movie it lost to? Just I'm just uh, good riffing Wait, now and pulling out Do you information what year was that's really random. What year was it? Yeah, it was like '91. 
Oh, so it's a waves back. Yeah. Oh, is it? Um, it's a tragedy. Uh, it's, it's 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 recognized as one of the great tragedies of Oscar history. Oh, I don't know. Goodfellas lost. I don't know. Was it two? I don't know this kind of trivia. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what, what's it called? It's uh, you, you don't either. I no, guess. I do. The, the one with uh, oh, Dances with Wolves. Oh, Dances, Dances with, with Wolves. Dances with Wolves with Kevin Costner. I mean, I, yeah, but I it's like a it. sleep fest. True. I mean, Last it's, of the Mohicans is actually a better movie in that yeah, genre, just, to be honest. Just, yeah. So, so it lost to um, um, Dances with Wolves, right, and right, uh, right. it's seen as one of the great tragedies. But there's so many great movies that came out that year. It's weird. Kevin Costner won. Yeah, so I actually read an article the other day uh, that argued why Dances with Wolves actually should have beat Goodfellas. And it was a very fascinating article about uh, the, the, the historical and the epic and right. the this and that. Anyways, so anyway, all that to say. Do you think if Garth Brooks, if there was a Garth Brooks movie, would Kevin Costner play him? I don't know why. Garth Brooks, where are, you, where are you pulling that from? Somewhere other than the night. Okay. She needs to know I love you. Next Just topic. The theme Next of topic. Love going. Okay. The Loving of the nineties. The okay. TV show yeah. from the nineties you love the most. Oh, well, that's gonna be easy. That's gonna be easy. It's the greatest TV show of all time. So here we go. Uh, Seinfeld. Yes. So, Boom. 100%. Hello. Ha! Ah, we should be married. Not even a question. It's, it's like that game. Like <laughs> What's that game? It's like we'll the game. Put our shoes up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Seinfeld, but that's rated as the, it's the greatest show of all time. Okay. Okay. Next. 90s album mm -hmm. you loved the most. Oh, gosh. That is tough. That is really tough. Um, it's probably not going to be the one I love the most, but it's the one that's just like when you say 90s album, it's just like sticking out in my brain. I'm going to go... I know what I should say because you know you go Pearl Jam ten, you go Nirvana, you know, to show that you were kind of. But I'm gonna say actually, uh, I'll just show my cards here. I love Third Eye Blind. Dang it! <laughs> uh, I forget the name of the album, but that album with the red and the eye. And okay, whatever. okay. okay what did you get? I wrote what, the Benz. I thought you. Were oh, the, oh, of course, Radiohead. Yes, of course. Historically, I should have said that. I too. thought maybe. I should have said say. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, or the Benz. Yeah. No. Oh, um, uh, but yeah. I didn't but answer I didn't TV say. show. I think yeah, my yeah. favorite TV yes. show. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking about this. I know it's not like the right answer. Yes. Because obviously, like I used yeah. to stay up I, every Thursday night. Yeah. I would make an appointment to With sit Simon. down in front of the television. There's no like you couldn't record it and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like you just wait for eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Your parents have a VCR. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> but yes, I but yeah, you couldn't figure out how you program it. You had to tape over that like, movie you and your right. buddy shot. And you needed to have a degree in something. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, like yeah, the engineering. Program yeah. it ahead yes, of time. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways. Yes. So you used to stay awake to watch To what? watch Seinfeld. Seinfeld like, okay, but anyways, but yeah. I thought, though, but I used to come home from school every day. Yeah. Just sit there and wait. Well, DuckTales, yes. Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same with the bells. Oh, and what was the one with the little uh, "Hello, Nurse" Animaniacs? Oh, Animaniacs. And by the Animaniacs. Okay. Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers for me when I was okay, really right. young. I, I thought like, you were going somewhere else. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the Rescue no. Rangers. Chip That's and a different Dale. podcast. Yes, That's another story other. for another podcast. Yes. Chip uh, and Dale. Okay. And uh, finally, I don't know if I had another category. Okay, we'll just take a. Okay. Yeah. The. Piece of clothing oh, okay. you loved the most <laughs> yes. from the 90s. Okay. The 90s. <laughs> right, would it be like a neon jacket or a, a fanny pack? I'm just <laughs> you thinking, know, or, or Stan Smith's or something. Be? I'm going to go, okay, I got it. 
You're not, not like you would know, because we didn't know each other, but. <clears throat> Although covering my eyes, like that's a thing. Okay, I'm gonna go with my uh, LA Lakers hat and oh, jacket, because I was a huge hat, right? Magic Johnson. The Lakers uh, Magic jacket, Johnson you had a Lakers say, jacket. I was, was it a I was, starter when jacket? When everyone, yes. Whenever, that's what I'm trying jacket. to say. When everyone was a Chicago Bulls fan, I did I did Lakers. Right, Lakers. Yeah. I like Magic. Everyone like Jordan. Yeah, everyone had this loved Jordan. Bulls starter jacket. I, mean, yeah. I was just gonna say baggy pants with a chain hanging off. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's I mean, that's pretty. It's pretty. And I would get the baggy pants from the uh, from the Goodwill. Yeah. For four bucks, yeah. and they would have a size like uh, 39, mm, 40 yes. waist. Right. Of course. The big belt. Yep. And then they bag down and yeah. like. The wind would come and blow they me really away. Leave them walk, you know. Like, is it like a possible walk? Oh, you couldn't walk. walk. Yeah, no. It's like I, I had them under my bum. It's like one of those flying, cheeks. like Dutch nun women things, you know, from like the movies, whatever. That's like the big. Anyway, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the flying nun. You want know to talk about Greg? nuns? <laughs> hey, production. Hey, production crew. You know what he's talking Greg about? Greg behind the camera. The Dutch you understand nuns what and flying. Flying nuns. What? Yeah, right. Okay, so that's like that. a thing. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Okay. Well, anyway, okay. there, there you go. All right. For for me, it's got to be like I, I don't know too. why this was oh, a boy. thing in the why this was a thing in the '90s, but like yeah, like the Ralph Lauren polo branded like T-shirts. Yeah. Or like, the, and it's right. like, but you would wear this like designer T-shirt. Right. Or or sweatshirt, but with like the worst looking jeans or pants yeah. ever ever right. made in the history of fashion. Like the right. ugliest. But now they're all coming like, back. Everyone's wearing the 90s again, and it's a thing. And I know. So it's hard because I really don't want to, like I can, yeah. I see the 80s thing, I could get that, but the 90s thing to me, it's, it's standing out as I think it's as, too, like, like, I can't it's do too I can't on, other people can. on like the nose right now though, I think. Yeah. It's not like just inspired by it. Right. Like in the 90s, there was the inspiration of like bell bottoms a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like inspired into the yeah. fashion. It wasn't like we literally all dressed up like the 70s, like in 70s yeah, outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like it's all costume It's like, yeah, I feel like I it's not. Yeah. Anyway. I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't pull yeah, it off. Is that something over here? Okay, okay, love. So, love, tell us about yeah. how this passage yeah. so, just like spoke to you in a way you've never. Had it speak to you before? Yeah. Well, you said almost like that you can't even remember. I don't remember ever reading this passage before. It's the end of First Corinthians, verse twenty-two. If anyone has no love for the Lord, uh, let him be accursed. And so my whole thing that I'm discovering, and I and I told the church, and I I was even writing my chapter on this this morning. And the sentence I wrote was, you know, it's fascinating in the midst of my library. In my office in my home, I got a pretty vast library of stuff. And the libraries of every staff member I've That's got, right. I'm going into everyone's office going, what do you got? I'm loving God. Yeah. Loving God. Loving God. And everyone's like, mm, I don't know. There's like this gap in our modern Christian conversation, it seems. At least the books, it might just be the books people, me and other people that I know are attracted to. But we have a pretty wide variety of things through history. Whatever. Um, doesn't have a ton about Oh, loving God. This is what it's like. This is what it feels like. This is what you do. This is how, you know, all of that. Um, and so I'm having to kind of go. So I actually went on Twitter. I said, hey, what do you got? And people were sharing with me books from the 1600s. So that's what I've had to go back to. This Thomas Vincent and a couple of those. And so anyway, loving God is this thing that maybe is kind of neglected in our modern conversation because we talk about having faith in Christ, which obviously is a right. huge deal. But he ends by saying you have a cursed, <clears throat> right? This idea of being under the judgment of God and remaining under the judgment of God. 
And the people who don't get accursed are the people who love God. He doesn't say people who have faith in God. And so my thing is, is I'm, I'm going into different writers and in, in, in the text and seeing that, uh, as Jonathan Edwards said, love is kind of the definitive uh, issue with saving faith. That's the thing that makes up saving. The, the, right. It can't be both and. Or excuse me, it can't be either uh, or. You have faith in God or you love God. It's like, do you actually not just believe in him and trust him, but treasure him? And I remember um, uh, listening to a speaker tell a story about a conference he was at. And he said, you know, the speaker had got up and said, faith in Christ. You got to have faith in Christ to be justified by faith. And you, it's like a chair and you have this stool or this chair and you have to sit on the chair and trust the chair and the chair is Christ and you sit on, you trust it for your salvation. And then and the next speaker came up, he said, look, I'm not trying to cast asparagus on the guy who spoke before me, but actually sitting on the chair, trusting the chair isn't enough. And he got down and he hugged the chair and he's like, you actually have to love the chair. You have to cherish the chair above everything else. And then when he was done, he walked back and that great theologian who spoke before him was backstage and he put his hand on his sword and he says, just, it's a great sermon you preach, just so you know, I love the chair. I love the chair. <laughs> you know, and it was kind of this like, yeah, this is more than just, boom, okay, great. Right. I'm going to heaven. You know, anyway, so that's what's rocking me right it's now. It's interesting. This, yeah. It's interesting to me because as I was thinking about this, you know, you, you came by my office even yesterday and you're like, where are your books on this? And I was like, I don't, you're right, I don't have anything. Right. Um, I was thinking about it and I, it's funny that we don't have more on this because when Jesus is asked what well, matters yeah. the most, it's love God. Well, the, this is, so the chapter I'm writing right? on loving God, yeah. it's a Jesus book and it's, that's the whole, that's the whole okay. text. Right. The text is, guy comes to him and says, what's the greatest commandment? Yeah. And he says, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, strength. That's what the whole chapter is about. So that's what's gotten me here yeah. is you have the great commandment okay. and the great commission. The great commandment is like the center of everything. And we're not talking about, oh yeah, love God. What does that even mean? What right. does that mean in your life? Right. And then there's faith, hope, and love in the greatest of these is yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, big, it's, it's actually all it's, over we the talk place. About, just, we, we talk about love sometimes in that sense, because that's like the first Corinthians 13 community love. Yeah. So we talk about loving each other a lot. You got to love each other, love the city, love your community. We love, we talk about that right. second half of the great commandment, but not, but not loving God vertically and figuring out what that, you know, and the, and the, the, the uh, Piper quote I read the other day is he said, I'm not asking, I'm not exploring here what you think about God or what you, you know, it's what you feel. And so this is Augustine. This is, you know, it's, it's uh, you are what you love. It's that whole world. And so I'm trying to get into that and explore that, that really it's your affections. The most powerful part about you is your, uh, your affections, what you love, what delights you, what gives you pleasure. That's, you know, we've talked about, that. that's the reason you choose everything. And so what, and what I'm starting to explore in the chapter, which is fascinating to me, is we, we, what's the motivation to love him? It is because he's just, the most lovable object in the universe and just self-sustaining for no reason that other than he he is who he is, you should love him. But secondly, and then this is most of the chapter, there's a whole bunch of benefits to loving him. And I go into the God-shaped brain and I talk about, you know, people who've put, you know, cups on people's brains from psychology and they've read them information about the wrathful God, the malevolent God. 
and seeing what parts of their brain light up. And it's the depression, it's fear, it's anxiety parts. But then they start feeding them information about the loving father who loved it. And parts of their brain go with, with, with uh, pleasure and delight and comfort and ease and peace. You know, it's fascinating. The so anyway, I'm kind of exploring all this yeah. where Jesus is actually telling you for your own good that you should love God above everything else because that's what's going to bring you peace and, you know, all of these things. So, so why did we get off track? Like, why is this not then? Like, what happened? I mean, you're I saying know. there's ancient There's ancient guys talking about, yeah. Obsessed with this, but Jesus, at some point, why do we... I don't know. Why Maybe we walk away from the idea I don't know. of this love concept as being that. It's a great question. Let's let's hear from the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Write your comments under this podcast. Well, I wonder if yeah. it's if it has to do with our human nature of wanting to control, right? And we want to we want to be the ones who orchestrate and control our lives. Sure. And it's easier probably in our brains to go, okay, I can choose to give God my belief. Or you know, sure, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. trust or right. whatever, whatever. But to say I'm actually giving him myself, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna allow all of my affections to revolve around mm -hmm. what he's done, who he is, and now my calling into that, mm -hmm. and how he chooses me. Like, well, maybe that's I, a very different thing, and maybe just in our nature, it's like Ooh, maybe the maybe the title of Thomas Vincent's book that I went and tracked down about this is is a clue. It's it's something about um, it's something about the love of the true Christian, and then the end of the the name of it is uh, for or to the unseen Christ, hmm. and maybe part of the tension is we don't see God, we don't feel him, we don't touch him, right. we don't. He's not like sitting like obviously we believe he's here, and, and the scriptures are the face of God for us now, um, but we don't. So he speaks to us through scripture, but it's not, you don't hear the audible. Yeah, so it's yeah. really hard to love a person when they're not, you know, so now you got to go, okay, in order to get those affections, I got to do disciplines and things that get me almost into the presence of God where right. I start to understand, you know, all of that. So I think that's hard work. Right. And so maybe the other is just more forensic. Yeah, so you have faith. I mean, I think of someone like, you know, uh, like Mother Teresa, for example. <clears throat> And uh, it's funny, we have, so I, we have these twin babies, I, my wife and I have twin babies, and one of the books we got them is these, these great little books for kids about famous people who have like... Yeah, because they're ready, to, they're ready yeah. to read those so, right now. So, anyway, so, so they're six months old and they're learning about <laughs> Mother <laughs> Teresa's life. Yes, yes, great. It's good stuff. And, uh, but it's written yeah. like to kids, right? Yeah. It's all illustrated yeah. stuff and it's like, here's a little girl who like had this thing and then she... Anyways, but the idea of like someone like that who like... Her posture was, I am just going to love God so much of my entire life, and then I'm loving everyone around me. Right, people who as need a flow, it. yeah, yeah. And totally. it's like, so I'm literally gonna not get married, I'm gonna whatever, I'm gonna yeah. be a nun, I'm gonna marry myself to Christ and the church. Yep, yep. And then totally. I'm just gonna devote my entire day to yep. reading the Bible, singing hymns, mm -hmm. going out into the street and helping people. And it's like, maybe that's it, radical. Maybe but, there's a piece of this too that it's like, okay, so I am guilty of this. I'll get, I've got up years ago or whatever, and I'm sure I'd do it again if, uh, if we did Song of Solomon. Let's, let's take this as an example. Mm -hmm. So Song of Solomon is a book in the Old Testament that's about the erotic love of a, of a, of a king and his wife, okay? And it's beautiful, and we'll probably go through it and 
and take two years to go, you know, through that as a church. You're trying to convince me to yeah. <clears throat> yeah. do Song of Solomon as a yeah. series. For so me. it's all these metaphors <laughs> about like your love is just like, <clears throat> you know, all these explicit, like you couldn't read it in the Jewish community until you were 13, all right, because it's just too explicit, okay? So, so modern Christianity has reacted against, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. The, so back in the day, back the ancients, used to read that book analogously almost and say, this is about Christ and the church, mm -hmm. okay? This is like an erotic love. This is how much we are to love Christ and Christ loves us. <clears throat> and we um, rebelled against that and, made, and almost made fun of that. Those silly ancients and their silly readings of the Bible, don't they know this is, this is so weird if it's about Christ and the church? Like, what are you, Jesus, what, what's going on? Right. <laughs> and so we reacted against that one. No, this is about your relationship with your spouse. And now we're going to dig into this sermon series for 10 weeks and learn about marriages. And that's great. And I, and I get that. But what I'm saying is maybe there was something to that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if you go back and read Song of Solomon, you might learn a thing or two, uh, if you create an analogy about Christ's feeling for the church and how you should love him mm -hmm. in a affectionate, passionate, you know, way versus, well, it's just like, I love God, you know, whatever. So anyway, I, there's something there yep. that uh, would yeah, be I'm interesting. Just, yeah, what, what is your, what is your kind of, <coughs> your passionate, you know, move of your life, your necessity is one of our, like, what yeah. is it that you are just, you're all about? Is it Christ? Or not. Right. Right. And I think, yeah, that's what you, you laid out, I think, really well at the end of that last masterclass sermon was, yeah, guys, this is something very different than just make right. a decision. And this it, is actually. Right. Totally. Positional. Now. And heaven say, and hell is in the balance. We say that about Christ, <coughs> which leads me to what, what, you know, I've been thinking about lately around how well we actually understand what it is we are loving in Christ. So we're supposed to have this love mm -hmm. for Christ, mm. but... Do we understand what that means like because of what he's done? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, when I hear them describe, you know, the gospel, <coughs> the cross, this kind of Excuse thing, me. I'm always fascinated how people talk about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do, one of the things we do at Village, we have uh, job applicants, we interview people, and we'll say mm -hmm. to them, okay, tell us about the gospel. Hmm. And it's amazingly fascinating, right. the ways people describe it. Hmm. And uh, you kind of go, okay, interesting. You didn't talk about the cross, <laughs> and, or you know, whatever, right. or sin. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought it would be helpful, mm. so that people listening or watching, if we just actually explained a bit of the theology behind the different parts of mm. what the gospel is, because that is the thing we are actually supposed to now be so drawn into right. that we attach ourselves in our entire life in this love too yeah. because of that, right? That's the greatest expression of God and his character. Yeah. And so that's what we're gonna love. Yeah. So let's start with sin. Yeah. Sin and justice. Yeah. Why is that an important part of what the gospel is as kind of like a first step? So uh, let, me, let, me, let me just start with the, with the person of God first, sure. okay? Um, so God, is like you just said, God is love. He moves out of love. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There was this motivation of love, but he is love in and of himself. And he's love as father, son, and Holy Spirit, which is great. 
a Trinitarian version of God gives us love existed before there was anybody. Before there was people, before there was animals, love existed in the universe where a classic Unitarian version of God that is strict oneness doesn't give us love before he creates anything. So it's it's actually Christianity brings this beautiful, that's why love is built in the fabric of creation and why it's probably the greatest uh, principle that controls everything, okay? So so that all comes from who God is. Then he makes us. That was supposed to exist, cool today, then we sin. And so um, now he's got, I mean, part of who he is is he suffers with people. He, 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 he incarnates, he, he empathizes, he always, not just because of sin, but that's just who he, who the nature of God is. But then sin came in and so he, you know, he did something about it in the choosing of Israel and, um, and then that climaxes with Jesus and the cross and it's the greatest moment Right. of God's glory and the greatest moment of love ever shown. And so that was done obviously to reconcile us. We get right. God back right. if we trust to the cross, which sin necessitated. So, so we, sin is important because yeah, yes, it brings about the cross. Right. Because we <clears throat> like to go, why is sin, why does this matter? Right. Or we say, um, why is God so severe about this? Like, right. Why? Like, can't he just say, okay, I forgive you. Okay, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Hey, I'm going to overlook that. Hey, I'm gonna... There's an element here that's really, really important, I think, for people that are, are listening and watching to understand, is God in his nature, as a perfect judge, mm-hmm. must mete out cosmic judgment mm-hmm. on evil. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, there's no scenario in perfection where he cannot do that. We like to construct in our human minds like these things about, oh, be like a more of a benevolent judge Mm -hmm. or more of a compassionate judge. But those aren't really good judges Mm -hmm. because if you do not hold ultimately evil and sin to account, Mm -hmm. then the entire economy of good and evil and right and wrong Mm -hmm. and everything in the whole universe is screwed. So so we we go, oh, it sounds so severe Mm -hmm. that he, and it's like, Right. No, it's actually the best thing. Well, so I was down in uh, San Diego learning from a mentor. We had 10 pastors down there. And we got in this big, uh, you know, fight is a strong word, but just a fun theological debate one night. And they were, they were like, Mark, why do you talk about the wrath of God still as a thing? Wasn't that fully fulfilled in the person of Jesus? We should just mm-hmm. talk about God as love all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, well... No, because God is jacked up against sin still. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, no, he's not, because now we've got this new epoch in salvation history with Jesus. And I'm like, no, if you read John 5, uh, and you read John 3 and John 5, you have the, those who believe in Jesus are, you know, they enter into eternal life, but those who don't, the wrath of God remains on them. And so Jesus has taken the wrath of God for those who believe in him, but it doesn't apply. So you came behind a rock, an ocean wave hit you, but some people didn't never got behind the rock and never loved the rock. And so the wave hit them and it's going to hit them. And it's still a thing. But I said, the reason you have to hold on to that is because there is a, you know, out of all the the jewel of the cross, coming back to your point, there's like 49 angles of beauty. There's Christus Victor where he defeats, you know, demons and, you know, all the, there's the, there's substitution. There's, there's an expiation where he takes away the sin, not only that you've done, but that's been done to you. There's all these aspects of the cross that are beautiful that need to be explored. 
But one of them is propitiation, where the wrath of God, like you just said, gets meted out and satisfied in him, at Romans 3. And because that's true, the cross looks that much more beautiful, what it accomplished. But if we lose the wrath of God, we don't understand that aspect of the cross, so we lose lose or whatever we take away from this whole idea of man this was an act of love unlike any other you know this was so anyway so just yeah i yeah. mean it's it's that's where when we i know when we talk and when we talk to staff or other about like okay this good friday or this you know we're going to talk gospel or whatever it's like there has to be something in there where what christ does on the cross actually physically does something yes this isn't a metaphorical yeah, he yeah, died yeah. in our place. Yeah, as an example, as a symbol yeah, yeah. of you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's understanding. No, no, just like how you know when I've I've gone to Kolkata with IJM and you've got to kawash and stuff, and you see tragedy, mm -hmm. you see injustice, mm -hmm. and you go, man, I this sucks. This is awful. Yeah, I don't want this. You go, well, the God of the universe is more angry. Yeah, and against that yeah. than any human being ever. And he's done something ever. about it. Yeah, and so that's why it matters is that yeah. that has to be satisfied. Every yeah. evil has to be has to be judged. And so when we look at Christ on the cross, it's important to understand when you when you're talking about the gospel that it's actually a physical payment being made. Yeah, judging of your sin now, and you know, part I think is fascinating. That people don't think about a lot when I talk to people is the future, the mm -hmm. idea of. It's not like your sin to the point you become a Christian has been paid for when you become a Christian or something. And now I'm not sure what happens. It's he's died for you, paid for your future sin after you become a Christian. And he's chosen you and saved you knowing all of that. Okay, so so this is this is getting heavy now. This is yes, getting deep. We're getting very because deep. This is no, nineties stuff good. anymore. This is good. <laughs> okay, so think about this for a second. So you have this idea, and I think Lewis talks about this a bit in Mere Christianity, but other theologians too, where you're dealing with time mm -hmm. and how God lives outside of time. And I and here's my illustration about this. I was listening to uh, Malcolm Gladwell on a on a, a podcast uh, yesterday. And, he and he, they were talking about some crazy stuff. Anyway, one thing that he talked about was the difference the way cultures think. I thought this was fascinating, mm. just to go to your point. And he said, <clears throat> um, he said there's, this, um, there's this experiment right now where they're sitting down um, uh, American students, uh, university students, and Korean students, okay? And they're, what they're doing is they're taking a piece of paper and they're drawing circles, okay? So they're like, okay, circle, and it's three circles, okay, three circles. And they said each circle, one circle represents the, uh, the past, Whoop. one represents the future, and one represents the present, mm -hmm. okay? And they said, lay them out. The Americans go like this. Past mm. is here, mm -hmm. present is here, future is here, okay? Like, like you know, we, we, yep. the A Koreans yep. do it like this. They layer them Very on top of each other. Right. And they're, they're trying to think about, do they actually think different than us mm -hmm. in regard to like moments and, mm -hmm. and timing? Like, like and, and, and Gladwell says, did the Civil War, the way that they think, it happened in the past in the same way that like last week happened in the past versus hundreds of years ago in the past, right? right? And so anyway, the point yeah. is, is that you and I are classic 
American thinkers who think about sin, yeah. Canadians, uh, who go, uh, we had a past, we had a present, we had a future, Jesus died and this, and now we got to ask this question about, can I, does it really pay for the sin that I habitually still do? And it's because we're, we're thinking yeah. in this mode, Very linear, linear. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there's something to the Hebrew brain, the Jewish, all yeah. of this, where it's it's layered, where God's dealing with the, anyway. I those well, facts. I think it, I mean, it has to be right because this is just a construct that we yeah. Like time and all, and that all of that, all it does is highlight and elevate and and fill out the concept of the love of God. That's the beauty yes. of it. And that's right. coming back to right. your, to your and point. I think what the other important takeaway and why this is so powerful is because it gets to the idea of assurance. Because mm. you, in your life, do not need yeah, to ask questions like, hey, God has, you know, God has saved me, but now this is in my life. Or right, now I'm right. struggling. It's like, that's not a surprise. That's not mm. new information that now you have to be worried about something. Like, God didn't know this was coming. Yeah. Well, you've, that's, you, if he's <coughs> paid for your sin right. in that, in yeah. that way, yeah. he's paid for it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. There's, you were greedy after you became a Christian 978 times, and it was okay, but 979, okay, you lost it. Right. That's it's not, that's, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what, so, and so then when you get into, like, I think what, you know, I think <clears throat> Packer, who I read lots of, like, he gets into, like, the, the pinnacle of all the gospels, obviously, then adoption, because it means you're not just forensically, your status has changed yeah. to your now. Okay. Yes. You're adopted more than that yeah. into the co-heir with Christ yeah. realm and all of that, which yeah. is we're we're you know. we're children of the Father now. Right. And yeah. so when you are thinking about the gospel, you're talking about the gospel, when you're praying about it and reading and all this is what you've got to be thinking about. You've got to be thinking about all these people. You've got to be thinking of the nature of God, about sin, about the mm -hmm. justice of God, about Christ on the cross, taking that And in the you. resurrection. The resurrection, the resurrection of yeah. Christ. The reign then of Then yeah. you being raised in the same way, mm -hmm. being a co-heir with him. And, and think about, you know, one writer talks about, imagine what that actually means to be a brother or a sister mm -hmm. with Christ. Mm. Because God is not going to be a bad father. Right. So if you're his adopted child, he doesn't treat you differently. <clears throat> yeah. Which is... Crazy. Yeah. He's treating you mm -hmm. as if you're his own son or daughter, as if you are Christ. Yeah. Which is the prodigal son story, which um, we had a speaker come up to the staff retreat and just literally spent two or three days with us going through that story. And that's the beautiful story of the son who turns and the father who should just be going on with his business, who should be mad at that son for basically saying, hey, I wish you were dead. I'm going to take all your money. He goes away, he sleeps with prostitutes. He comes back over the hill and the father should just be carrying on, building his business, not caring, and he's looking for him. And he sees him come over the hill and he runs out to him, which is crazy. And he talked about the story as he's told that story in villages all over in the Philippines and whatever, because he was a missionary for a while, uh, wherever he was. And he says, what would you have done? And the villagers are like, I would have taken this, you know, stick to that son. I would have beat him to death. You know, right. he, would, he, 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 he denied our family. He denied the village. He made a fool of all of us, beat him to death, you know? And here you have this son, you know, gets beaten in our place so that the father can, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah, it's, it's crazy yeah. Okay, we're just starting Psalms, maybe next episode. P-Psalms, as somebody, uh, one of the kids recently I heard <laughs> say, oh, dad, cool t-shirt. It wasn't actually my kids that said it, and then someone else was, oh, the P what's the P-Psalms? <laughs> so the P-Psalms. Yes. Uh, we're just starting it. Maybe next episode, when we've got a few of these under our belt, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. into 
what the heck is going on? We're talking poetry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we can talk about art and the Bible and then what, yeah, how does sure. all this stuff matter and like what implies is God use it. Anyway, yeah. so thanks for joining Everybody's us. Gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> see you next time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Anything good. Ha <laughs> ha!